You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! With the international break coming up and with the transfer window now closed, we've decided that there's an opportunity to discuss the shape of Manchester City's squad on Let Me Talk this time. Opinion seems to be pretty split over whether it was a good window or a bad window, and that's got us thinking about whether City are in a position that they're now stronger or weaker after the business that's been done. We're going to discuss that on today's show. I'm David Mooney. With me is the Athletic City correspondent, Sam Lee. Hello. Yeah, hello. All right. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's uh, let's get into the transfer window because um, mm. this this isn't a kind of a transfer window review where we look back no, at the no, business no, no. done. We've done, and, we've, and we've done we've enough done as it was going yeah. through. Um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of this this interesting question. Where that are I, we I now? guess yeah. I, I guess this is something you've been thinking about, isn't it? Well, it is because I can't remember what it was. I think it was maybe Thursday night. Um, I was replying to to Lloyd Scrag on Twitter. Um, because he's very much of the opinion that the, the squad's weaker, or not maybe not weaker, but at least doesn't have the numbers. Um, and like, like I say, very much of the opinion. But I, I'm not sure, but I'm inclined to say, well, numbers-wise, they then they don't really seem that worse off because of the players that they brought in. Yeah. And then maybe Palmer tips the scales. But yeah, so... And then Lloyd was sending me other stuff, the where people were more in line with him and he was like spreadsheets and this is the depth or whatever. But I've seen other spreadsheets about, oh, yeah, this is how the, the squad is that looks more positive or painted in a more positive light at least. And like, there were different people replying, either agreeing with, because I was more like, it's okay. And he was more like, it isn't. That 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 that, that kind of thing. But I don't, well, I, I had my, my mind up. I think it was just a good discussion. But there were people replying like, e- either side of the, the coin really. And then, so I, straight away then I was like, well, this is a good talking point. It's definitely worth doing. Um, and then Sunday night I put a tweet out about it and almost ratioed myself, basically. It got yeah. 293 <laughs> likes, but it got 242 replies. I was like, no, you know, I'm glad it was a question. Normally that was me saying, oh, I didn't think Alves was very good today. And like, everyone's replying going, you're a dickhead, then it's not good. But even just flicking through, um, stronger, looks split, better when Stones yeah. returns, probably similar in strength but with different qualities, which is fine. Um, gut reaction a little weaker with well, somebody saying difficult questions so again they're probably like me someone says weaker um, weaker in quality but the same or similar in numbers which is probably if we're going to skip to the end probably where I come along with it um, hard to tell good answer um, yeah jury is out at the moment weaker weaker and probably doesn't matter um, no question we're currently weaker stronger i.e. more controlling yes creatively no that's interesting um, I think we replaced Gundo and Mahrez in the port with great players, but it's not a stronger squad, only because these players we need to adapt to City, which obviously I get. Um, marginally weaker. Yeah. Uh, so obviously there's a there's a there's there's more weaker there. But again, there's another one. I think it's stronger. Teams starting man, to man marking more. Now we have guys can go 1v1 with dribbling to beat that, which is obviously another thing. In the short term, weaker. Um, experience lost. But yeah, so... There's 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 a real spectrum. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, a lot of a lot of people go with weaker there. Um, I had another message from a from a mate last night, and he was saying he summed it up very well. He said, "I think what we lack in experience, we will make up for with a natural boost in new quality players. Um, the dynamic will be renewed and fresher. 
and after a treble season, that's imperative. And I, I get that. That actually makes a lot of sense. I, I was saying at the end of, you know, when it looked like for a while in the summer, they weren't going to do an awful lot. And it didn't seem like it was going to change too much. I was almost like, I feel like you don't want those players to leave because they're so good. But also it kind of needs to happen and especially after a treble. So it's yeah, definitely that It's that well. sticking plaster thing. You Sometimes you need to rip it off and shake things up a bit when even yeah, when exactly. you don't feel like you need it. Well, let, let's... Well, you um, never really want to because there's no reason to get rid of any of those players. Yeah. Um, but, you know, circumstances have dictated it. And that's the most obvious with Palmer, who people were saying, oh, he could have played more this year, but he wanted to go and that's kind of the situation. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, so uh, the the starting point I think for this Sam is just uh, very quickly just to look at the uh, at the overall business. So um, out has gone Ilkay Gundogan, Riyad Mahrez, Emerick Laporte, Cole Palmer, Joao Cancelo. Uh, in has come Matteo Kovacic, Josko Guardiol, uh, Jeremy Doku, and Matthias Nunes. Um, like on the face of it, to begin with, um, it, it, four players in, five out seems like a little bit of a deficit. Um, but then you kind of take into account the fact that it's like Cancelo, Laporte, Palmer, and to an extent, Mares weren't playing that much at the end of last season. Mares a lot more involved at the start of the season, so you can kind of. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't put Mares anywhere near that group. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, but like by the end of the season, like there was a set. Yeah, but team I mean, that- if we're talking about because the thing is, for me, it's obviously just a different perspective. But for me, like Cancelo is a complete irrelevance. Yeah, well, he'd gone, he'd gone he was, anyway. Yeah. He, he'd gone, wasn't there, wasn't contributing. They won the trouble anyway. There was no depth issues there. He was always going to go anyway. Um, so for me, complete irrelevance. Palmer is difficult. He's very similar to that because as we kind of discussed on the little Palmer episode we did last week, he was very rarely getting games anyway. Um, and he contributed to the treble in all competitions, but like maybe not in a way like Rico Lewis did, for example. And so it's he's difficult because you could argue that he maybe would have had a more more of a window this season to play, more opportunity, and maybe he should have. But like I already said already, the fact that he wanted to go kind of complicated that slightly. So he's a difficult one. But Cancelo, I would say, is irrelevant in terms of this specific argument. No disrespect to what he did for City during his time here. Um, Laporte definitely needed replacing because he didn't play too much at all. At Barely all. played and the that, whole season. He, he's, he is closer to kind of Palmer and Cancelo, but he did need replacing just because you can't lose that many numbers. Um, but then Mimares, I wouldn't have. Although, because he didn't start the two finals and he didn't play an awful lot of the big games. The the thing with Mares, and this is going to become relevant when we talk about Doku, is you could bring Mares into the team. And I, I know he wasn't always the most popular, but... Well, I can only speak personally then in that case, but I never had a feeling that, oh, God, Morris is playing today or, oh, this is going to be different or this is going to be harder. Like, it, he knew what needed to be we, done in certain situations. We knew, we knew that Bernardo, basically through what Pep was telling us, could press better. And, you know, and we could, well, I guess we can see that with our own eyes, his work rate and that kind of stuff. We know how important he is. But when Morris played, it was never, oh, God, it's Morris, in my opinion. And he... And I, I was ne- I'd never lose any sleep about him coming into the team. But obviously with Doku now, not only have you got a new player, but as we discussed at the weekend in a bit of depth, he is very raw as well. So he's not just like, you know, bringing in Kovacic for Gundogan. There is obviously a drop-off there because Gundogan was so good and, and Kovacic isn't quite, but he does different things and he's made a really good start. And that's fine when he plays. Nobody's dreading that. But when Doku plays, I think throughout this season, or at least in the next month at least, let's, let's say, because maybe he really kicks on, it, there is like a... Could have really done with Mares there, ideally, and I, I guess that kind of goes back to a lot of the replies saying 
in terms of it, like experience or the time needed to gel. I, I guess that that is one of the issues. And I think Doku, Mares to Doku is probably the best um, example of that. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the at the individual players because I've I've kind of singled out them. They're, they're not like for like replacements as we talked about already, but I've kind of singled out the the best positional replaces. In that um, you said there, Kovacic came in for for Gundogan. He settled quickly. There's there's positives of what he offers compared to the negatives of what they've lost with Gundogan, but they are different players. Um, yeah. Guardiola yeah. has come in and settled quickly. He's, he's Possibly an upgrade on Laporte. I don't know if he's got Laporte's range of passing, that sort of stuff, but he, he seems a bit more versatile than Laporte was. I think um, he's probably got a better. I think he's probably got a better range, you know. Do you but know? it's weird because Laporte is so good. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking because because I've always said that Laporte was very strong with his right foot, but I feel like Guardiola's next level with his right foot. You know, he can break a line unexpectedly. We I think he did it in the Newcastle game. Um, maybe Sheffield United as well with his right foot that he was being pressed and he just kind of turned it around the corner quickly and not broke lines and stuff so there's that but it's weird I think probably overall it, I think it's very similar to um, the Gundogan and Kovacic thing like overall Laporte may be better but also I think very quickly Gradiol will be better yeah like just in terms of experience and comfort in the squad, I think Laporte probably just edges it. But obviously, yeah, in fact, yeah, with, with Guardiola, I think there's definitely stuff that he can improve as well. So I think right now, Laporte is probably better than Guardiola, but I don't have any major concerns that there's a massive difference. And also, I think he'll overtake him pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I don't think Kovacic will probably ever overtake Gundogan, but you don't always have to. You just do things in a different way. And as long as you're playing well and doing the job that you've got, well, that you've been given in the team, then you're fine. fine. That's how teams always evolve. You can't. Like, Aguero and Haaland are very different, and it's fine. And even when, when they went Aguero to a false nine, it didn't matter because they decided to do something different. So, yeah, those two are fine. But like I say, Doku and Mahrez is slightly different. But Yeah, well, I was I was going to come to... I mean, I, I was I kind of, in that in my head, grouped Doku and Nunes together in a in a way. Like, like Doku, as we discussed after the Fulham review, we don't need to get into it again, but he, he needs a lot of time to get up to speed of what a City winger, of what Guardiola wants a City winger to do. Yeah. Um, and, and at the same time, Nunes, you know, Guardiola likes him, um, but the question will always remain, can he take the burden off Rodri or will there be a different role for him in the squad? And kind of like in, in that sense, he's not necessarily coming in to replace it. He's possibly coming in to replace Phillips, even though Phillips didn't leave. And that doesn't that, that doesn't change the numbers thing. Yeah, yeah. Again, that 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 is the weird thing, isn't it? Like with, with Phillips still being there, like that, that's kind of how I felt with with Palmer in terms of the situations, like Phillips is on the bench, but when we talked about that Newcastle team, there was basically 12 players there that Guardiola would have picked from that game because obviously Phillips didn't didn't really count. Um, and I, I don't think Palmer would have either. Um, but yeah, so it's like you've got an experienced international player there who cost just, just a bit more than 40 million quid, but he isn't actually there <laughs> as, far as, as far as selection goes. So that's another... Strange scenario. And then, yeah, it's weird because there have been times, even the season before last, when obviously City did, were, were very good and, you know, they were two games from the treble this time. Um, but they had injuries and you think, oh, the, that, the bench does look light. But then obviously there were times last year when, there, not the Guardiola does make loads of changes to a game if he feels the need to, um, or we feel the need to. 
there were like you know, Foden's on the bench, Alvarez is on the bench, Mares is on the bench. You think that that's firepower? That um, I'm trying to think, it would have been in midfield in that scenario. But you, you do have those players there. Whereas, yeah, this season um, it's not been that. But again, I guess that leads us on to another another thing that's been mentioned in the comments. And I know I know you've been thinking about is it's kind of exacerbated by injuries. But yeah. then that's part and parcel of it. And I think that was one of the things Lloyd was saying last week, you know, and other people who were replying saying, City had either good fortune last season, which I don't think it was good fortune. I think there's an element of good fortune because you never know if somebody's just going to get Pull their leg broken yeah. in the tackle yeah. or whatever. But, you know, they obviously did look after their players very well. And the fact they did very little training was part of that to make sure they didn't get injuries. So that point of view was, well, we got very lucky last year. We won't get lucky again. And I was like, well, if if you're doing good work, there is every chance that you can do good work again. But yeah. I do appreciate I, that you can't control everything. But obviously this season, they have had loads of injuries. And Juan Marleo was asked about the squad on Friday. And he said, well, you know, if we don't get any injuries, it's probably fine. And it's like, uh, that's not that's not a great um, <laughs> position to be synopsis, in. Synopsis, really, is it? But I mean, but it is true. It, pro- it probably is true. Coming up after a short ad break, we'll continue to dissect City's summer transfer window and look at where the squad is as we head into the first international break. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. I think the luck last season 
didn't necessarily come from not getting injuries. I think it came from like you know you know you talk about sometimes you, sometimes you just need the ball to bounce your way, and I think it was that sort of thing. It was like like when you get to the FA Cup semi final draw, they pull out Sheffield United and not I can't remember who the the, the uh, who United faced. It was it Chelsea in the, in the semi final Brighton, but like United or Brighton in the semi final in that week. That's a, that's the prime yeah, example of yeah, a game yeah. where oh, yeah, where City go out, and that's that's where I think City got lucky, not necessarily with players not getting injured or real no, or but I mean, the, the, the reply was specifically about the injuries the squad and injuries and it, yeah it was like well I think the data showed that City had the fewest days lost to injury last season it's like well we won't get that lucky again it's like well it, it, it's not just luck is it like but I do appreciate luck plays a part but like I say City managed it very well and we know that with Haaland we talked about that with Docu I think when he when he was first signing because I think he's lost a few days to injury in the last couple of years but then you've got to presume that they're not just going to say, okay, sorry, we're only going to really look after Haaland because he's special. The rest of you can <laughs> sort yourself out. around this track for two hours. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's obviously, there is obviously a lot they do. But I, I do appreciate you can't just stop somebody getting injured. But again, the strange thing is, it's just De Bruyne having that injury, coming back kind of quicker than even he expected because I think he thought he'd be out for six to eight weeks. And then he, he, did, he was back in the team around six to eight weeks. But obviously, just it went after half an hour of the Burnley game and... And that was that. That that is that is an unusual scenario yeah. to have, and obviously that's put them on the back foot a bit. But it has also meant that um, they didn't want they didn't want to get Eze as well or Eze. Apparently, I've been saying it wrong all this time. We probably all have. They didn't want to get him as well as Nunes, partly because of how City like to do business, but partly because Pep didn't want the squad to be too big, knowing that De Bruyne will be back in a few months. Um, so there's there's that element as well, and also that report at the weekend about City bidding sixty million for Ezra on deadline day. That's that isn't true. Yeah. Somebody did suggest to me that um, they might go back in January, but again, I'm not sure about that. Just because from the City point of view, I know that they were thinking, or well, De Bruyne is yeah going to be back, so we this... don't want too many numbers. So it doesn't quite add up. But also, what I what I put in the transfer kind of transfer window wrap-up article that I did on The Athletic at the weekend. Well, there's a few little things in there, but one of them is when it came to choosing between Ezra and Nunes, and it wasn't just what kind of position they need, what kind of player they need, but it was also like how easily are we going to be able to negotiate with the with the selling club? And they knew Palace would be a pain in the ass, but they, they knew they'd have a bit of leverage over Wolves because of the financial situation, and I guess Mendes being able to help. Um, but with Ezra, he's... Um, He'll have 18 months left on his contract, so Eagles can start swooping or circling even. Eagles Both, or vultures? See it. Vultures, Eagles. Um, I like an eagle, but I would probably admit and concede that what I meant to say was vultures. Vulture, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, the vultures can start circling. But again, you know, Pakatar might have been cleared of the bet. There was the weird rumour that like, oh, that Pakatar stuff's going to be hard to prove. And I was like, from what we know, which was video evidence of him getting soft bookings and apparently like records of people on his home island placing bettings, placing bets on him getting those bookings. Seems pretty open and shut to me. Um, so that seems unlikely. And also you've got the, ele- the element of, um, yeah, De Bruyne will be back and maybe they'll feel like they've got they've got the numbers but yeah it's definitely worth definitely worth keeping an eye on in January but I, I wouldn't get too excited for it 
they don't do that much business normally in January either. So like that's no, the other, that's the other thing. Um, well, they only do it if if one if they really feel they need it. So maybe let let's say they're like, oh god, De Bruyne is actually not going to be back until March, and yeah, we, blah blah blah. And the other side of it is it has to be a good deal. So when they when they could get Laporte, that was like a good deal, good player that we would bring in in the summer, but we can get in now. So let's do it. But normally in January, you not normally get in summer quality players if you know what I mean are you you're normally getting players who are struggling or whatever but again if if leverage comes into it and it can be cheaper then it is possible but I'm just talking hypothetically now about the possibility like I, it's been, it seems we're talking about the the quality of the the squad and how and how big it is May, maybe it's needed maybe it isn't but again that depends on injuries because if they do get a couple more then you can be certain that they'll be trying to look for someone and then if you're going back to targets they they were already interested in, and who may even be cheaper and have City would have more leverage this time, then yeah, it may make sense. But we'll see. Yeah, because the, the 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 injuries thing. Um, we talked about De Bruyne. Stones has been out for a while and uh, will be back. Yeah. Um, soon after the international break, I believe. Um, and then you've got uh, obviously the the first couple of games. We've had games where Bernardo's been ill, Foden's been ill, Grealish picked up a knock. That like kind of that all adds up and. By you know you, you go into say we're talking kind of November December time and mm. there's only De Bruyne injured it, suddenly the the depth in the squad looks better because they are able to rotate a couple yeah. of positions between and, Champions League games and Premier League games and it does look like like the squad is only going to get better soon and again one of the replies that I've that I had to the tweet last night was from Stats and he was like stronger he said no Grealish no De Bruyne no Guardiola no Stones, no Bernardo from the start yesterday. No problem. But also, they haven't had Grealish for much this season. They've not had De Bruyne at all, really. Guardiola, how many games has he started? Two out Two, of four. I think, yeah. Not, no Stones, and obviously Stones was crucial to start the whole thing. Bernardo's been in and out. To be fair, Foden's been in and out as well because of the illness. He says no problem. And that is true. Like You start adding in Stones again, and you've not just got a great player who obviously made a big contribution, but you've got a massive amount of versatility there. You've got a huge um, improvement, basically, in terms of him going into midfield. It gives the squad different Rather than a Kanji. Of, yeah, Guardiola can do so different much more things. Versatility. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or maybe he doesn't go forward, but he's just at the back um, and Walker can carry on going down the right wing. And there was a good um, thread from, um, from City Tactics, from Jim, about that. Um, you know the, the the pros outweighing the the cons of playing Walker in that role and shuffling everyone around. So check that out on Twitter if you can. And yeah, Grealish is. We mentioned this again on Saturday. It's a bit of a difficult one because you can't argue he started the season brilliantly, but I think they massively missed him at the weekend when it was just so ropey and nobody could keep hold of the ball. I think you put him in there. That that does change. That does help. Um, yeah, Bernardo coming back in, Foden coming back in now. Obviously, De Bruyne eventually, it feels far down the line, but that is, you know, they're, they're bigger returns than, than they, City could have ever hoped to bring in in, in the summer. Unless, you know, I, guess it, I guess it was Bellingham. And now we see how they're playing now with a bit more dynamism in midfield. And it's more, I know they did this last year as well, but it's more it's a very settled two in midfield at times, isn't it? Yeah. Like, especially if you look at how they changed after, after half-time at the weekend, it was Kovacic and Rodri holding like it was at Sheffield United. And then you've got two attacking midfielders behind Haaland and obviously um, Walker keeping the keeping width, the width on, the on the right. right. Yeah. And you think you can you can kind of afford to have Bellingham in there because we were like, how's this going to work in terms of the whole 
Pauls are in control. But obviously, Guardiola already had that evolution in his team before they'd won the treble in mind. Um, and obviously, his start to life in Madrid, that would have been a hell of a signing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and then obviously with Rice, Rice, Rice was kind of the the next the next option, but obviously would have operated a bit deeper to drive forward. And uh, City have ended up with Nunes there. Um, but yeah, it's just Bellingham's in my mind as well because I thought about it at the weekend. And we had that Real Madrid fan messages yesterday saying, "Why haven't you talked about him?" And I was like, oh, "It just felt so long ago. It did, I just kind of forgot, basically." And yeah. Well, let's... He's, been, he's been in Madrid for so long, but yeah, it is fascinating how he would have worked out. But again, those players we we've just mentioned coming back, that. That, we talked about the bench early, but the bench is suddenly going to look very strong again soon. But yeah, I admit maybe not as strong as last season. Yeah, there's there's also and that kind of the Bellingham Rice thing kind of um, wakes this thought up in my mind that maybe there's a perception that the squad is weaker because um, of the the direction of travel the transfer window took for City um, and. Yeah. There's there's a lot of people who look at it and go, they wanted Bellingham, didn't get him. They wanted Rice, didn't get him. They've ended up with Nunes. Nunes is not Bellingham. And that kind of journey of, of travel to get to the destination. Um, mm. And it got me thinking about um, kind of City's speed of movement in the transfer window and the targets that they have. Because mm. I, think, I, I think a lot of people, and I, I would probably include Guardiola in this, you know, um, would want the players in and ready to work with them before the season is oh, kicked would, off. And then you end up in a situation where a lot of the signings have actually come after the season started. You're then kind of trying to integrate them, you know, after the squad has already begun playing a few games. Still, they've won four out of four, and like that, there's kind of a little imbalance there, a little uh, little paradox there. Um, and we also know from from City's recent history that second, third, fourth choice transfer targets do work out. You look at Diaz as the as the prime yeah, yeah. example. But still, people have the sense of just pay the money, get it done, and when the club doesn't or they miss out on targets, people start to panic. Is that does that feed into why it's why people see it as weaker when maybe it isn't? I think so, and you know what? I think that's because that is very, very similar to what I've been saying about um, our views and other people's views, listeners' views about the last two games, particularly the Sheffield United game. It didn't feel like it was going well against Sheffield United. So when you're saying just pay the money, it was like just fucking put Foden on and create some chances to score a goal and get this game done. It, and the transfer window did feel a bit like that. And then obviously the more it drags on, the more um, kind of anxiety there is. Oh, you know, these players have gone. Who are we going to get in? And obviously the fact that it was like, okay, it's going to be Pakatar now. And then it, it wasn't and you're going to need to find something else. Yeah, that anxiety kind of drags on. And again, that has been unusual for City because it doesn't normally happen. Um, they normally get their business done before the window, and you know Akanji was the only kind of last-minute buy they've they've ever really made under Guardiola. So the fact that they still need to do a load of business is probably like going into a game that's eighty minutes, and let's not say against Sheffield United because they were able to step it up and create loads of chances, but let's say like Atletico Madrid Inter, and by that point you are really thinking we need to do something here, and then. They may well score the winner in the 85th minute, but after the game, you're obviously happy. But you think, "Fuck, that was horrible, wasn't that. it? Yeah. Like, that was not a yeah. It wasn't that wasn't a good experience." And kind of now, as you reflected on the transfer window, you think, "I'm not sure," because it kind of felt so stressful for like two or three months. Depending on how invested in it you were, but there's, there's, there was definitely a lot of that. There was definitely a lot of people invested in it and who they were going to sign, and almost didn't matter what the name was. As soon as they were linked, and as soon as people knew there was interest, get it done. People just get wanted it, it to yeah. happen. Yeah, just want um, names in the building. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So and that it definitely did feel like that, and I, I do I do get that. And I, I mean, it's also interesting because I had a comment on my article on the Athletic at the weekend about you know the, it was the transfer window wrap up that I did, and somebody had said this, this is a it was a good comment actually because it was very thought, thoughtful. He was like this is, this is a good article in terms of the inside information, this kind of stuff. But you could talk about, and obviously I still could, the impact of selling the young players. And he was like, he goes, for me, this is the the, the commenter. It would have been an opportunity for the club to send a message that we're going to like double down on winning the treble by like bringing through youngsters and doing it that way and being unique and like bringing in through like Harwood Bellis. That was one of the players he mentioned as well as obviously Palmer um, and McAtee and, and Foden and Lewis. But I've seen loads of play people all summer saying this is our chance after the treble to send a statement and go out and spend, you know, yeah, yeah. spend 110 million <laughs> on Declan Rice. And there is that element of you're never going to please everyone there. I mean, I do feel like, I do feel like that the point of view of hoping the academy would play such a big, you know, bringing through Harwood Bellis rather than signing Guardiola, for example. Um, that feels the I more think I think if we'd have done a straw poll, yeah. if, I think if we'd have done a straw poll of is the squad weaker or not, a lot of people would have said it's much weaker, but I'm kind of happy slash hopeful that the young lads will get a chance and I hope they take it. But I think people would have been very dubious about it. But I do get, obviously, the argument and the appeal of bringing through youngsters. But I think to that extent, it's a bit. I do think it's a bit fanciful. And also, it does overlook the fact that they just won the treble with Foden playing regularly, Rico Lewis making a big contribution, and obviously Palmer. He certainly earned his medals, Palmer. He wasn't just... It wasn't well to an extent. He was making up the numbers, but he did play, didn't he? He'd, he played more than I was going to say. Played more than Phillips. Maybe he didn't. Um, but to have particularly the two Foden and Lewis City fans who've always been at the club, like Palmer's always been at the club, not necessarily a City fan. Um, that that's the thing with Palmer. Like he has grown up as a United fan, but like you've you've also you would have seen that over the weekend. But you also would have seen him in the away end at Everton last season celebrating. Yeah. Carragher grew up an Everton fan. It like it happens. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it does happen. But like, I mean, there's there's loads, isn't there? Like, De Bruyne, De Bruyne, like United or Liverpool. So it does, it doesn't doesn't matter. Like, and at the end of the day, they they kind of love and have the passion for the the team they're playing for in most cases. And obviously, Palmer certainly did. Um, but yeah, to to kind of focus on that element of we should bring in so many young players. I think it does overlook the fact that they won the treble with two homegrown talents playing regularly. Um, and obviously Palmer being there too and playing slightly less regularly but doing his bit. Beyond that is too much. And then obviously you've got the other side of the argument, which is let's spend loads of money and go and buy all these guys. But my answer was basically, and the answer would be to both, like the message they sent was they're not going to change how they do yeah. things. They're not going to they be do rushed. Or how they're they not going to be panicked. They're not going to yeah. be rushed. They're not going to be panicked. They're not going to think, oh, we should do this or we should do that just because. Like I say, with... With the the move for Bellingham and Guardiola thinking, well, this is how we play next season. They might have won fuck all when he was planning that. Like when they were when they were making the move for Bellingham, there was no guarantee they were going to win anything, let alone all three. But he was already thinking about how it's going to look next season and how it's going to evolve. Like the fact that they've won the treble doesn't change their their plans. Um, and you know, again, people talk about the extra prize money, but and they were three hundred and twenty million prize money or something. But I think last season it was like two hundred and ninety. So it's not like they had all of that extra money. It wasn't like they had an extra three hundred million quid they could just just spend. Um, so yeah, they just carried on doing it their own way, as as they were always going to do. Um, but we talked about that, didn't we? When I when I asked um, a contact saying could they not sign Nunez and Eze? 
it just makes sense. Like, you just get yeah. just get each of them, and then you don't have, we we don't even have to do this podcast then, really, because yeah. I think it looks but that it looks a lot better. The bench looks stronger. I think everyone's a bit more comfortable. But but that also leads us back round to what happens when everybody's fit again, and like you've then got a Guardiola squad with too many players, and yeah, well that's so. the thing. Like, I don't. I think most listeners, if they if we weren't all pep washed, you know, would most listeners and probably myself would think, well, yeah, a bit more depth, like especially because they haven't got loads. 15, 16 senior players isn't going to kill you. But um, obviously the way he likes to do it, and it has worked, and he, he said, didn't he, like you look at other clubs, they're trying to get rid of players they don't need anymore because they don't have that problem, which is mad actually because they did really with Laporte and Cancelo. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe he's kind of cancelled out his own argument there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just they just don't like to, they don't want, as much as we would feel more comfortable with a lot of names on the bench going, Oh, look at these guys. This way, this way, this way, this way, yeah. Yeah, they they probably don't want, um, well, they don't want loads of big names on the bench because if they make so few subs, only one of them is probably coming on. You know, if if it's a tight game, only one of them is coming on. And then even even like the game at the weekend, it was a chance to get Gomez on, Phillips on, because the bench wasn't that strong. But once everyone is back, those guys aren't coming on. And you've got all of a sudden, let's say Eze, if he had signed, he's getting 15 minutes. Um... I mean, who else would Nunes eventually he'll he'll be getting the fifteen minutes. Phillips will go back to getting sod all, although he seems absolutely indefatigable in terms of his happiness at playing or not. <laughs> um but yeah, everyone everyone kind of gets bumped down the pecking order, so it kind of com- comes back to that, I guess. You know, he, well, not I guess, he just doesn't want that that many players, he doesn't want too many. And also the other element, if we're talking about versatility and how they can solve problems. At the weekend, they did it without making any subs. Yeah, they do it yeah. a lot. By and that's, that's why shape. they got so many, and they got versatile players. So you look at it as on paper, and yeah, you look at the bench sometimes. And go, that's weak. Obviously, the Newcastle game, you couldn't deny that it was it was weak, or there weren't many options. But there is a lot they can do within the squad, and there's like, that's why it was so important to keep Bernardo and Walker because they can do different things with them. That's it for the free version of Let Me Talk. There's more if you sign up as a member. Sam, what's uh, what's on the agenda for members this week? Yeah, so there's loads of stuff along the same lines obviously but the prospect of a new era under Pep maybe the fourth iteration of a great City team Um, new players maybe even suiting the system more and something I hadn't really thought about before but City have got rid of most of their moaners and how that might help going forward that's all for members those ad free episodes are longer and they're out earlier you can find out more on lmtpod.com if you want to send us an email it's hello at lmtpod.com we're also on Twitter Instagram and TikTok so just search for lmtpod on there thank you very much for listening we will see you next time (laughs)